think this is one of those rule makings that is going to die an ignominious death, especially in light of the new administration coming into Washington. Those are the words of Joe Rakovich on uh, NHTSA and FMCSA's speed limiter proposed rule. Uh, part of a talk he gave to the National Association of Small Trucking Companies at their annual meeting here in Nashville. Uh, where I'm based last week. This is Todd Dills, of course, and in this Overdrive Radio podcast, you'll hear more uh, of Rackford's talk, uh, which you know contained more than a few items of note for owner-operators and small fleets, as usual. Not least among them was his good news view on the speed limiter mandate, and you know less sunny thoughts about a somewhat recent California Air Resources Board meeting molding possibilities of a new ultra-low NOx emission standard. Uh, Rakovich, of course, out, is out uh, in, in California, now representing the Western States Trucking Association after uh, you know, many years as an owner-operator, as uh, regular listeners and readers will know. Where he starts, uh, just so you know, is with a slide that uh, had, a, had a quote from uh, the president on it that said, uh, quote, elections have consequences. And uh, for Rakovich, he thinks there's, a, there's some good news for trucking in it, uh, but also uh, you know, some, some more of the same in a lot of uh, a lot of areas, including uh, perhaps uh, the electronic logging device mandate. In any case, I'll get we'll get right to it. Take a listen. Good afternoon. My name is Joe Rakovitz, and I am the director of governmental affairs for the Western States Trucking Association, headquartered out in Los Angeles. And Dave's had me come in for a few years here in a row to. Uh, talk uh, more specifically about certain regulatory issues, including things from a uh, Western perspective, since there are issues out on the West Coast that actually end up migrating back to Washington. Uh, All I got to do is say California Resources Board, and a lot of folks know what I'm talking about. Um, I loved this quote when I was putting together the PowerPoint presentation. Up until last, uh, actually Wednesday morning at 1 a.m. Uh, my time out on the West Coast, um, I hadn't even started putting together the PowerPoint for this conference because, frankly, my, my view on what was going to happen was pretty uh, pessimistic. I, like many Americans, thought that I was going home at 5 p.m. Friday just to hope that uh, uh, the Republicans held on to the House of Representatives and that was it. At 1 a.m., my whole worldview changed. And, uh, you know, elections do have consequences, and for uh, the left of the political spectrum, uh, they got their butt kicked. And it's going to be, uh, I believe, as I go through here, you're going you're gonna to see some things that I believe are going to have a very positive, dramatic effect on the trucking industry. I'm going to just hit real quick on something, uh, on a few things. Electronic logging devices, some of you have probably been into uh, the seminar that was held on ELDs. Uh, the reason I'm bringing this particular thing up is there are people who are getting, I was just on the phone this morning with members of ours in, in California, who are getting uh, spoon-fed uh, uh, snake oil salesmen trying to sell them ELDs that aren't listed on FMCSA's list has been self-certified. Um, one of the things, and I know Todd's in here from Overdrive Magazine, they've done some pretty good articles on this. Um, you know, there's a lot of pressure, allegedly, on motor carriers to uh, install these. Probably some of you have them already. 
The fact of the matter is, two months ago in Little Rock, Arkansas, at the Commercial Vehicle Safety Alliance's annual workshop, Bill Quigg from FMCSA was asked a question, and I don't know how many people were paying attention, but none of the major ELD manufacturers have signed up and certified their ELDs, and it's because there's a technical spec issue, and I'm not going to get into all that, that hasn't been dealt with yet in exchange of data. And Bill Quigg was asked, well, what happens if you decertify the ELDs that we have in our trucks? He says, you'll have eight days to change them. So FMCSA wasn't being all warm and friendly and cutting anybody any slack. So when I read in Transport Topics and all these other publications, hey, the supply chain's pushing you to adopt ELDs, there's an attempt to try and shove this down people's throat, and I actually think it's a dangerous game right now until there has been the certification process completed. Exemptions, big one, right at the bottom, and I'll show you something on the next screen. I was just here in Nashville two months ago at the American Concrete Pumping Association's Concrete Association. The pre-2000 model year exemption, it's about model year of a truck, of the chassis, not of the engine, and FMCSA has some pretty good FAQs on their websites. It turned out within those two associations, which are on the vocational side, 35% of the commercial motor vehicles nationally are exempted from the ELD mandate because of something that we as an association were solely responsible for getting in the final rule. FMCSA actually, in their FAQs on their website related to that, they actually go right into that looking at the VIN numbers. You know, a lot of folks, we won't do any VIN to it, were buying glider kits and putting old engines in them. Should have been buying old trucks and maybe putting new engines in them because you'd be exempted from this. The reason I put this up here during the rulemaking, I have a way when I read, you know, everybody always hears, hey, file comments, get up there, file comments. I go through the rulemaking dockets, and, you know, I do national radio, and nobody probably has ever heard me say, hey, yeah, go out there and file comments. I figure the people who are interested are already going to do it. One of the reasons I don't say that is I do go through the docket and read what's in there, and there's a lot of stuff that goes into the docket that's, hey, screw you, FMCSA, you communist bastards. I mean, it's there. And, you know, congratulations, you vented, but you didn't accomplish the thing. I have a very pragmatic view of how to go after rulemaking, so when I went through the rulemaking for the ELDs, FMCSA asked a question about pre-2000 model year trucks, and can they, you know, could they be retrofit for an ELD? At the time, we were known as the California Construction Trucking Association. There's an outtake from our comments. I can tell you nobody else in the industry commented on that other than the ELD manufacturer saying, yeah, it could be done. I called a bunch of shops in L.A. It can be done. It was the hourly cost, the shop labor cost in making the conversion. It was over $1,000 per truck in order to add an ELD compliant with the federal standards. And the key thing was is that in their regulatory impact, their cost-benefit analysis, FMCSA never considered that cost in terms of their cost-benefit analysis. It blew up their cost-benefit analysis. Actually, it did not surprise me when they came out. That's there on the left. They ended up doing their own separate analysis because of that failure. We could have sued them and shut down the whole rulemaking. 
So they exempted it. So enjoy that exemption. There's about 35% of truck owners that are yet to enjoy it. My kind of point here is reading these Federal Register notices, there is always a way to make an impact. There really is. The mandate is specific to drivers subjected, of course, to hours of service and then the vehicle. So if you've got a mixed fleet, the drivers who are in trucks that are 99 and older, they can actually still use paper rods. They absolutely can. FMCSA did something very sneaky in their rulemaking, and it was never brought up in the latest legal challenge, which in my opinion, had it been brought up, might have actually stopped this Goldman Strikes. Under Part 355 of Federal Regulations, all states must adopt conforming regulations that conform to the Federal requirements. We're from California. We were thinking, hmm, we're pretty much on safe. Texas, pretty much on safe in their intrastate markets, which are huge. In California, there's nearly a quarter of a million motor carriers that just operate within the state. It's that big. CHP got a hold of me as we were talking about California's eventual adoption of the ELB mandate for intrastate motor carriers. It is going to happen throughout the country. And FMCSA, by the way, was very deceptive in the final rulemaking, in my opinion, in not acknowledging this fact. I put the phraseology in there under Part 355. Even the California Highway Patrol says, Joe, our hands are tied behind our back. We have until December of 2018 to pass the legislation requiring the full adoption of ELBs for the intrastate fleet in California. That's going to be the same in Texas, Florida, New York, states that have large intrastate-only motor carriers. What's really interesting, if you go into the speed limiter rulemaking, Federal Motor Carrier makes this point that the states have to adopt this. They never made this point in the ELB rulemaking. Why didn't they? Imagine if they put that in there, what it did to the cost-benefit analysis. It wasn't contemplated. Speed limiters, okay. Everybody here is kind of aware that's going on. Some might have a little different feeling. We are going to be attacking that speed limiter. We've got the Texas Public Policy Foundation involved. Their Center for the American Future. What you need to remember is NHTSA just completed a rulemaking with US EPA, the EPA Phase II greenhouse gas tractor-trailer rules. If NHTSA was going to make a rulemaking to mandate speed limiters in commercial motor vehicles, the appropriate avenue for them was with US EPA in that rulemaking. Not to go off and cowboy with FMCSA and then try to substantiate this rulemaking by all kinds of environmental claims. That's what they've done. And we have got it teed up when we file our comments with members in Texas so that if FMCSA and NHTSA ever decide to do a final rule, we can go into the US Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit, which is Dallas. In truth, I think this is one of those rulemakings that's going to die an ignominious death with FMCSA and NHTSA, especially in light of the new administration coming into Washington. I've seen rulemakings 
that started out 25 years ago were just completed. This is horrible and it is ripe for legal challenge. In fact, uh, Minnesota Trucking Associations come out opposed. Michigan uh, uh, Department of Transportation's come out opposed. Uh, Chiefs of Police nationally have come out opposed for this. So we're actually in pretty, pretty, I think, solid, solid territory. But we're making, we're going after something uniquely that others, uh, others are going to be focused on speed differentials, which is a good argument. It's a valid argument. But in this rulemaking, it's all the environmental crap that made them get it out of OFB and put it into the federal register. Without it, it didn't pass a cost-benefit analysis. Uh, there has been an absolute war on independent contractors in this country. Absolute war. Um, ground zeroes of the West Coast. In many respects, it has focused on lease purchasing model, which our association does view, frankly, as misclassification of a driver. But it's gone beyond that. We are dealing, and I'm involved in a number of legal cases in California, uh, involving carriers here from the Midwest who use owner-operators that have their own trucks, their own trailers, and the state of California has them in court, uh, assessing them millions of dollars. They're under a Part 376 lease agreement. They're trying to claim that they're employees. And, uh, you know, this is all started with the U.S. Department of Labor funding these states to just gin this stuff up. I, there is no question there is going to be a backing off of this war on independent contractors from the U.S. Because we're going to get a whole, whole, new, whole new administration, whole new view on business. Uh, by extension, we're going to see a new National Labor Relations Board. For most people in this room, that probably doesn't mean much. It means a lot to us in California, because right now I'm dealing with an issue up at the Port of Oakland, where the Teamsters, along with the Port, are charging, going to charge owner-operators monthly union dues to access uh, public works projects on the Port. And uh, we've been down that road as an association before. Uh, 1983, we've got uh, none other than Justice Rehnquist to write the decision that affirmed the independent contractor model. But, uh, you know, they're taking another bite at the apple, the Teamsters are, to uh, shove over operators out of the marketplace. So we're, we're very encouraged by having a new administration and what that means for small businesses. Beyond compliance, that really got smacked around by a lot of the small business community. Um, I did a lot of radio on it. It was very supportive of small, uh, of, of beyond compliance. I was involved with uh, CDSA since it was originally a hatched idea. I'm going to throw something out. It's the only place, unless you believe Congress is going to reverse itself and eliminate uh, EL, the ELD mandate, <clears throat> an effective beyond compliance program that allows motor carriers uh, relief from regulatory burdens such as installing the ELD if you meet certain benchmarks, start to look like it might be a pretty good idea. So just throwing that one out, because uh, I know there's been a lot of uh, smack talk about uh, beyond compliance as being something that only will benefit large motor carrier interests. You know what? Our association is mostly made up of small motor carriers. I could care less if J.B. Hunt gets a benefit from something if one of our small carriers gets the same benefit. EPA. Um, and I realize I'm up against the clock here and I'm just going to hurry up. Uh, I do have to say this because I brought this paperwork in. California. 
EPA just completed its phase two, as I mentioned earlier, greenhouse gas rule. State of California wanted in that rulemaking an ultra low NOx engine standard, going from 0.2 grams per brake horsepower hour to 0.02. This is because US EPA has dropped ambient air quality standards from 75 parts per million to 70 parts per million, and there's virtually no place in California that can meet that standard. There was a deal made between CARB and the US EPA. Here's what that deal looks like. Two weeks ago, I'm in Diamond Bar, California, at the first meeting, setting up the ultra low NOx energy standard for diesel engines. All of the engine OEMs were at that meeting. California uniquely has the ability to set a standard that's national. And the OEMs all said there is no way there's going to be an engine built for the US market, one for the California market, especially with 1 million trucks nationally out of the 2.7 million regulated vehicles nationally go to California. We very much are going to be working with some of our allies in Congress, and I think that this administration could very well give us the kind of relief that could short circuit this. You're looking at a $200,000 truck. The only way they could get close to 0.02 was adding an extra burner into the exhaust stream. So like a DPF ahead of a DPF. We all know what DPFs cost. If you try to buy one, it's $20,000. That was their only solution. And of course, it came with a 5% fuel mileage penalty. And ironically, when you reduce fuel mileage, you increase GHG. And hence, they're sitting there going, hmm, they got a problem. This is going to cost a lot of money if they're ever allowed to do it, which is why you're starting to see out of California. And last night, they got the paperwork. The ports of LA and Long Beach are going to propose an absolute zero emission standard for all trucks going on and off the port beginning in 2035. These ideologues out west need to be stopped. This is the opportunity for what's happening in Washington. By the way, this is not going to kill small businesses. Because when you start talking zero emissions vehicles, you're talking $400,000 at a minimum. 